This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris Did you know that there's 2.4 million podcasts out there? 2,400,000 podcasts that's rounded, of course. I don't know if it's rounded up or down, quite frankly. That's a lot, don't you think? And you stumbled on this one. That would be my first question. What makes you come here? Maybe you're like, well, this is the first time. You know, maybe you like the cover photo. I get that a lot. That's a big one. What else? Uh, I can't think of anything. <laughs> people, uh, Some people stay around, one or two. Anyway, 2.4 million of us out there competing for your little ears. But listen to this, 66 million episodes. And it kind of sounds like a lot, but that's only an average of 27 episodes per podcast. That means the average podcast only ever produces 27 episodes in reality because you've got uh you know like us today we're at 1400 um so you've got you know some that produce 1400 that means some only ever produce one to average that out to 27 you see what i'm saying it takes a lot of other podcasts to make up for the for the 1,400 that we're at, and we're not the only podcast with 1,400 episodes, that's for sure. Interesting, don't you think? This is the this is the competitiveness of podcasts, which seems to be a sea of, of podcasts. And in some ways, I guess it is, especially now with all the commercial stuff out there. There's something that Apple should do. Separate the commercial podcasts from, what do you say, the indie podcast? Is that the right way to say that? I don't know. But do you know what I'm saying? Like the people like me that aren't commercialized. Would you say amateur? Put me in the amateur category. The uh, drug-free bodybuilder. I'd be like, you know what I mean? The all natural, (laughs) non-commercial, not paid for, the real deal. I don't know how you'd say it. Well, it didn't start easy, I can tell you that. You know, people have told me my whole life. Did have they told me? My, yeah, people told me you have you know a radio voice. You speak well. It's it's, it's a comment that I get, it, to be sure. And I have for a long time, and uh, it's been something I've been interested in in a long time. But to say that like it just comes naturally, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know how that happens, and you become really good at something. I don't think Rush Limbaugh, for example, would have said that. Ah, it just came naturally. I don't think he would say that. Uh, anybody, Howard Stern? Oh my God! We're gonna—I got some stories to talk about Howard Stern. We're not gonna do that today, trust me. What happened to that guy? Remember, he said, "I'm the king of all media." I think he was. He kind of was, right? It's and now it's—it's it's just like this painful, slow death of these of these old people that never want to go away. Stern is old. It's dried up. It's done. He's too old to even do the, the, the work, the, the bits that he was doing back whenever. Anyway, I don't even, now I'm talking about it. Why would I do it? But I would say even Stern would say that's not that he was a natural. I guarantee you he wouldn't say that. Who else? Michael Savage. Mm-mm. I don't think he would tell you that he's a natural. Not at all. In fact, I would, I would venture to say 
that the more natural appearing, the more work that's going into it. Really. I mean, you think that it's just uh, comes naturally to be appear natural. It does not. Learning to relax and control yourself and do it when you're trying to make a point. And, you know, it doesn't always work well. It's, it's an art. It really is the art of oration. And I've found it fascinating. I really have my whole life. I'm going to tell you this story. But it doesn't come easy. It certainly didn't come easy for me. The first episode of this podcast, I kid you not. Well, the very first episode was never heard. I recorded the first episode into uh, my voice dictator sitting in my vehicle because, believe it or not, vehicles in some ways offer some pretty good sound attenuation. Uh, and that particular day it was raining and that all went out the window. And there were, I, it was horrible. The quality of the – you would have thought it would – I'd never spoken in – in front of a group of people or anything like that, which I, at the time that I started this podcast, I had a lot of speaking experience, an awful lot of speaking experience, ranging from, uh, I had done stand-up comedy. I had spoken uh, in front of uh, the youth football league that I directed, um, doing halftime talks and things like that. Man, there would be, I don't know, 500 people or more there. Those were good days. That was fun times. Uh, did comedy in front of, you know, 300-plus people throwing up in the green room. Did I throw up? No, but I remember having to pee every nine seconds because I was so nervous. Stand-up comedy, it's a whole no- a whole other dimension into itself. But despite some of that experience, I-, I went to go do the first podcast. I'm talking to my phone for whatever reason. Um and ah, and uh, the pace and the tone was just horrible, and I deleted it. And I told myself, Never again. Never again. And I'll tell you why. And I haven't. Have I, Is that absolutely true? Yeah, I believe it does still stand firm. I have had a, a podcast or three over the five years now, over five years now, that um, I've deleted pieces of. Usually I'll start and I'll get 10 minutes in and I'm like, oh. This is painful for me. Nobody's going to want to listen to this. and I do. But that's really only been two or three times. Other than that, you may know this. There's no editing that's done on this podcast. I try to treat it like live radio in that regard. And the reason that I do that is because I believe it's the only way you can get anything that really is approaching authentic and truly natural. Because... You know, and I share the show notes with you so you can see exactly what I'm looking at to have this conversation. And it's not a lot, not normally. And it provides for me with no editing. I've had to learn how to speak live, basically, because that's how I put it out there. And holding myself to that, I think it's like the one thing that, I don't know, I have felt best of, not, I, don't know, I don't know if that's accurate to say it like that, but uh, suffice to say, I don't plan on changing that anytime soon. Oh yeah, hey, next year we're going to come back with a heavily, a heavily edited, produced version. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hire writers to give me material, you know, it will buy the syndicated stuff like everybody else. I can, I can sit here and regurgitate the Drudge Report to you and run some pillow ads, and it's going to be much more uh, produced than edited. What do you think? 
it's not this podcast. If you if you answered the first question, what makes you come back? I would hope that that's one of them that you say. You know what? It, it's even if you don't agree, and I have people say that to me. I respect that. I think I'd be a little scared if everybody agreed with me on everything. Be a little freaky to me. I'm like, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure myself. What makes you so willing to agree with me on that? <laughs> yeah, I I was a little nervous, and then you agreed with me. Now I'm more nervous. You're saying you agree because I said it. I'm not the expert on this on on a lot of things. People like to think they are. They know everything. They want everything to be absolute. We all know those guys. I suppose it happens to women too, but in my circles, it's usually men. Anyway, where were we here? The first episode of this podcast, I literally produced in a cardboard box. I, the the fir- very first one, I deleted. I came back and said, okay, this is going to be the first one. And I didn't do it with my phone. I wasn't happy with the audio quality, which I learned later. That, that's another little tip, by the way. I knew nothing about sound editing or recording dynamics uh, or any. And it's not super complicated, but... It would have probably been nice to spend a few minutes looking into that. As arrogant as I was, I kid you not, I'm going to tell you this part of the story, but I just literally jumped into podcasting because I thought I could do better than all the top names. And if I played for you a little clip of the, the, the podcast number one as it's published, you know, it's actually a decent podcast if you can get past the 10 minutes. And that was a lesson that I had to learn. you got to know how to open and, and I'll tell you, uh, I, I said, I guess yesterday, I wasn't going to reveal much in the way of the trade secrets, but I think I'm going to adjust the way I open the podcast a little bit going forward. I do. I really do. <laughs> I'd like to bring a little more energy, a little more intrigue, right? Invoke those uh, emotions in people. I think it'll be good for the podcast. But I go into this, I know nothing about sound editing, production, nothing. I had no intro. I had a little little music. And uh, what was the opening? Oh, it's so bad. Christopher Scott coming to you live, bringing back the magic of old school talk radio. That was the slogan, bringing back the magic of old school talk radio. I don't know how I think of this garbage. I look back at my former self and I think, what was wrong with you with that particular? Like, was I reading too much poetry? I don't know what was the deal. No wonder it didn't go anywhere. Well, um, anyway, I um, produced the the first podcast finally and published it on Blog Talk Radio, uh, which is where we host today. They've been great. I think they're out of New Jersey. They've been featured on the cover there, Blog Talk Radio, a few times. And um, yeah, it's good hosting. The thing with Blog Talk Radio back back in the day, it, they they were the first with uh, what was called internet radio at the time. It wasn't called podcasts. And I'm pretty sure Blog Talk Radio was the first one, but I don't know that absolutely. But they were certainly in the forefront of it, and that you could do that. It's internet talk radio. And you know, I never got into listening to it. Oddly enough, for whatever reason. I wanted to do a show, and this was like a, it just removed all the barriers to entry, right? You know, for 30 bucks a month or whatever, you subscribe to this thing, you make a phone call, and you record, and you hang up when you're done. And you had the ability to take on other callers, I think, and, and things like that. And it was pretty, really pretty magical, you know, when you think about it at that time. This is like, 
the, you know, the days of AOL dial-up. I'm not kidding. You know, the old, I should have got the, the tune. That would have been a great time for it. There's something I wouldn't mind adding to the podcast sound effects, but I didn't know I was going to do that to tee that up. And if I did, if I worked it into the script, quote, then it wouldn't be natural. You see what I'm saying? So I guess we give something up with the natural thing. We don't have uh, clips to play in. Every once in a while I do. Everything has its consequences. So where were we? So I, I put this podcast and I had a really good time doing it. I settled down a little bit. It sucked, you know. Um, I didn't tell anybody. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God I didn't start telling people. About, but like 100 podcasts and people are like, why haven't you told me about this? I'm like, nah, because the other 99 sucked bad. And it's probably good that I didn't. Uh, well, how long did it, that would I say it took to get, you know, good enough to be digestible? Probably about 50 podcasts, I think. Probably not. I mean, uh, it, you know, it wasn't incremental. It was right around the, well, I did the first one. I published that first one. I quickly did two more. I had three. I think I was going to do it once a week or something like that. And I was like, I already got three weeks. And I, I committed to just doing three, by the way. You know, I said I did some stand-up comedy, and I didn't really like it. I did enjoy doing it when I did it, but I didn't want to continue doing it, if that makes sense. You're just regurgitating the same jokes. I'm like, this isn't funny to me. I'm not having a good time say, making these same jokes. It is, it is it's a rush to get people laughing, I can tell you that. Uh, it really is, actually. You know, you get up in front of 300 people, and you got to make them laugh and laugh. And, laugh. and you know, you think you get guys that are, like, funny around the water cooler or, or, or over a couple of beers, and, you know, you should do comedy. You know, it's a little different. <laughs> it's a little different than horsing around with your drunk buddies when you got to make a, a diverse group of 300 drunks keep laughing over and over again that aren't your buddies. In fact, they may be hostile in some cases. I got heckled by a mentally handicapped girl. True story. I had a bit. Back then, you could do bits like that. I can't even say the word today. The R word. Oh, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I really, you know, I really mean no harm to anybody, certainly not young handicapped girls, for God's sake. We go in to do this this comedy show, and I see her there, and I tell myself, don't do the bit, don't do the bit. And I didn't do the bit. And she heckled me <laughs> over a uh, male anatomy joke. Got up and stormed out right in front of everybody. <laughs> and nobody laughed. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, some of the things I've done in my life. It was too funny. I went out to the uh, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. It's kind of a little destination here locally outside of Philadelphia. It's kind of a cool little town. We don't go over there. There's nothing to offer us. But, you know, if you're into nightlife and stuff like that and small town nightlife, I guess, they got dining and stuff like that restaurants in rural Pennsylvania. It's like a big thing, you know, sometimes live music. Ooh, it's crazy. Uh, but anyway, we went out there to do this comedy show and, uh, there was one guy in a wheelchair. He laughed at one joke. I did it, I cut my whole set short and everything. It was, it was hilarious. It really was. <laughs> but anyway, I, I didn't, uh, once I got past that, I did some great shows. We did club helium a couple times, and it did some other places where we had a lot of fun, you know, different crowds. And uh, it was really, really fun. I'll tell you this bit of um, 
the truth. I actually emceed a comedy show, which was the most fun that I ever had because I just basically got it. I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't have the pressure of having to make anybody laugh. Right? That's the comics' job. You know, for me as, as the MC, I'd be like, "Yeah, here's Billy Joe Bag of Donuts. Let's hear it for Billy," and I'm done. Right? I don't have to make anybody laugh. Well, I just took it as an opportunity to bust on every comic. And you know what every joke was? It was a, um, uh, what would you call it today? Uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, homophobic <laughs> joke. I'll leave it at that. You know, today, if, if these things were, were made public, you, like you'd have a problem with it. It's crazy. And everybody there had a great time. The comics that were in of it, in it, one of them gay, by the way, um, he was like, "Oh my god, that was too funny." It was, it wasn't rude or lewd. It was funny stuff. Today, I don't know if you'd get that to fly. But anyway, that was the most fun emceeing that. But I knew from that experience, you know, that you know, you had people that I saw get into it, and they were, they're like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna make it to TV. That was like the thing in comedy. To, get your own TV show. Like, that's when you've arrived. And I'm like, I don't want my own TV show. I don't want to do a, a, a comedy TV show. I don't want to be the, some dad on a sofa getting beat up by his kids. I see what the, I see where the, the nature of this stuff is going. You know, next thing you know, I'm going to maybe be thinking I'm a woman. And who knows? You know, I don't know if I'd want to be going to Hollywood, quite frankly, or New York and doing these kinds of things. No, thanks. I don't know. So I committed to do three podcasts. I did the three podcasts, and I'm like, I'm done for three weeks. And I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do three days a week. And pretty quickly, I went to five days a week. And I was doing like an hour. And uh, nobody was listening in the beginning. Nobody. It would be like eight, ten a day. It was really hard. And now nah, we'd get like 50, I guess. You'd get the 50 coming in. 50. <laughs> 50 listens. And I used to have to, like, psych myself up to keep doing it. I'd be like, uh, let me try and visualize 50 people. I'm like, this isn't fun. This isn't fun at all. So um, <clears throat> right around episode 50, I'm pretty sure it was. It was I started the podcast in September, and it was uh, Black Friday. And I woke up, and as I did back then, I rarely check the stats anymore at all. And uh, just not important to me in a number of different ways. But back then, I would wake up, and it was the first thing I would look at. This is funny, right? So Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, I I wake up. Are we allowed to say that anymore? I feel like I'm being racist saying Black Friday. I hope nobody took it that way, for God's sake. The the, the brownies are dropping their name over racism. I don't believe we should be freely throwing around Black Friday. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm kidding around, of course, but... Uh, it was it was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Everybody was out, you know, literally killing each other over cheap TVs. And there I was checking my podcast stats. How funny is that? And boom, 5,000 listens in one day. And it grew from there. It grew and grew. And it was really, um, it was really unbelievable. And I think what was really working back then was I was I knew a little bit about SEO, search engine optimization. And I guessed, I guessed, literally guessed, as in pondered, that Apple's search engine 
would work in a similar fashion to Google's. You know, I don't know. Seems to be logical, right? Maybe I did a little research. I'm sure I did. But I don't really remember being specifically influenced by that. I just remember going by what I learned. And so I, I set a, on this uh, SEO campaign. I skipped a step in that, an important step in that, especially with today's news with Twitter. When I started the podcast, I, I also I, I had some SEO experience. I'll tell you what the experience was. I owned a storage facility. And there's two ways that you get business in the storage industry, drive-by and search engine, people looking for storage near me. And if you pop up, chances are you're going to talk to them. And there's a whole math and science to that, and radius from the facility and, you know, translation of sales from, from clicks. And it's all pretty well thought out. Back then, it cost us uh, um, about $100 per customer in marketing to get to acquire the customer. People don't even, you don't even hear this stuff discussed anymore. Maybe it's all businesses change. Customer acquisition cost, it's about 100 bucks. The average uh, tenant provided us $1,200 in gross income, or like 8% for advertising costs. And so we love drive-bys. I mean, incentivize people to stay because we knew those costs. But anyway, that business, I got to learn search engine out. There wasn't really a big enough facility. Um, we had like 100 climate-controlled units there. And uh, it was mostly businesses and things that needed to be in climate control that we kept. The rates were a little higher. We had uh, warehouse space that we converted to that. So anyway, I, I don't want to get into the whole story, but that's how I learned that running that business. I had it. You know, I was real estate was my business. Real estate development. My whole life. That's all I ever wanted to do. It's all I ever planned to do. Um, and uh, anyway, the I also knew uh, Facebook ads. And I knew Facebook ads because um, <clears throat> we had another business selling yarn. And it was actually a tenant uh, of another business that manufactured yarn and sold yarn in the shop. We were trying to pump up these sales. And we did it through uh, a couple of cool things. And one of them was Facebook ads. And we did. I sold that year, uh, um, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars worth of yarn pretty funny story when you think about me and, and my background but um uh, this is all in the you know it was a big business that we had uh this real estate partnership and uh you know these are things that had to get done and we just had a you know can do attitude about it so i knew facebook ads and i knew seo so i started the podcast i was going to use facebook ads and the idea was i created an audio book i called it but it was just an audio file you know i think it was about eight or ten chapters it was called Life, Liberty, and Guns, and um, basically talked about the importance of the Second Amendment and the right to defend yourself. And I created it. I created the ads, went to run it. This is on a Facebook ad account that had done um, probably six figures in ad spend. So I have some experience doing business with Facebook, and it wasn't wasn't not a good experience. This is why I talked to you about their their uh, uh, um, business practices, and um, and I predicted their downfall. Well, anyway, I, I created all the ads myself. Everything. Another goal I had with the podcast was to spend as little money doing it as possible. I was doing everything myself. Took everything I learned and just started it. You know, doing my own creative work. All of it. And, uh, so, you know, some of it was bad. Anyway, Life, Liberty, and Guns, big ad account, nice ads, hit go, I don't know, an hour, not two hours into it. And they permanently banned my ad account for 
violations of our policy, never list the violations or anything like that. Uh, and talking to some guys that I knew that, you know, work in that industry, say, hey, you don't use the word guns on Facebook. That That's not an infringement on free speech. Hmm, pretty interesting, right? I probably could have called it life, liberty, and the Second Amendment, but they would have, I guaranteed you, shut it down for some other reason. Unbeknownst to me, that was the beginning of the shadow banning and the outright censoring. It was beginning then. Now, some of these things they had to. Um, all of the digital marketing went through evolutions. Like, you don't see many diet ads and gambling ads and pornography, all that stuff they quickly vetted out. That they, It was just problems, you know, that with, with different agencies and lawsuits, and they cut it out. But anyway, there I was starting the podcast, and my my big idea to market it just fell completely flat. So I turned to the search engine optimization, and you know what? It worked. And I was glad because, you know what, I really didn't want to pay Facebook anyway. And the main thing that I relied on with the Apple search engine optimization, I would do podcasts about other big names like Michael Savage, and it worked. If you search, Back then, if you searched for Michael Savage, I would come up right next to him. It was cool. And... um I would get listeners that way. Not a lot. You know, I'd do others. And I did uh, military stuff, and I got a lot of military following. And I think that early military following was really loyal, and especially in terms of sharing the podcast. And um, boom, 5,000 and growing. You know, recording it out of a box, never quitting. I got to the point where I was doing the pod. I went for like eight months doing the podcast every single day, seven days a week. I got so exhausted, but I pushed through. You know why I did that? I have this simple belief uh, that if you want to become good at something, do it regularly. If you want to become great, you need to do it every day, preferably multiple times a day. You know, that's the difference between good and great. And I, I did my time doing that. And that's why now I can sit here and talk to you for an hour if I want, without any notes if I want. It really, you know, it's not something that I have to put... Uh, uh, a ton of thought into because I've done so much of it now. And it's an amazing evolution. I have all of my notes from day one. It's amazing. You know, and it's amazing watching the evolution of those notes. You know, quite frankly, in the beginning, my naturally delivered podcast was almost completely scripted. <laughs> and I realized that didn't work, by the way. I realized it didn't work. And I remembered my friend Brian Toter, who also had a radio show before he had a stroke. Um, but I met Brian Toder uh, in uh, speaking, and I remember him coaching me one day, and, he, and I had some notes. He said, why do you have those notes? And I gave him my lame excuse, and he said, you know what you're talking about. Get rid of those. You'll sound so much better. He did. That's what he told me. And I said, you know what? It's really true. Now, not that it's bad to have a note card if you want to. And, and this is why I do use the show notes that I do. I will tell you that I, I think it's at least beneficial for me. Maybe I have ADD or autism. I don't know, but to stay on point a little bit. And I think if you if you enjoy talking, particularly of a natural natural tendency to to ramble on, and what happens is you ramble away from the point, as you may have evidenced a time or two on this podcast. Not a lot, though, right? Right? You agree with me on that? Of course, you do. Um, but anyway, it's been the, the practice here every hundredth podcast to do a podcast about the podcast. And I don't want to just tell the, the same story over and over again, that's for sure. 
Uh, but we have endured. We've done a lot. And, you know, back in the early days, the SEO worked and having a daily podcast got you a certain ranking in Apple's, uh, uh, you know, rankings there. And now it's just, it's completely shadow banned. I get no new traffic at all. How can that be really? You know, with, with the average podcast out there doing 27 episodes, which in reality is much lower, you know, if you lopped off the, the top ones over 1,000, let's say, you'd find that that number is very, very low. People oh, podcast, it's easy. They do it, and eh, it's not as easy as it looks. Not always a good time. Um, but anyway, it's been a journey. Plateaus, a lot of rough patches. And I got to tell you, this last two years in some ways, and I know you hear it in my voice. I, I know people hear it because, you know, my chiropractor makes a comment to me, you're not going to quit, are you? I had no intentions of quitting. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I'm a little beat up by what's happened. You know, you see this news about the Twitter thing. I had been telling you, me, myself and a lot of people, all of it was fake. You know, I was looking at a truth social thread. I'm not on there. Um, but this is a news outlet. I'm like, there's no traffic on here. I think it's largely been destroyed. I guess there's still a lot of people on Facebook, right? A lot of the old people. It's just what I want to be around, more old people in a stale old platform. You know, if I wanted that, I could watch CNN, honestly. Uh, you know, all this beating up of the young people. I think there's a lot of old people in this country uh, that, that really need to, to check themselves. Their crappy attitudes uh, and, and the way they, they, they look at things is just bizarre. Like people have lost their, their common sense completely. Just look at what's happening to our children country is really in big trouble i didn't i didn't sign up for this i really didn't i literally talk i just like to talk you know marines can tell stories that's uh, just the thing i guess you know this and the stories sometimes take on evolutionary <laughs> you know you learn how to embellish and talk and i like to talk i always like talk, like talk radio I started to say listen to it as a kid 10 years old wwdb i just got an email to this morning from my buddy stan wants me to come on the radio show again. I look forward to doing that after the new year. Going back to the station that I grew up listening to. Uh, he wants me to do a weekly show there. I can't do it right now. I just can't. And I had looked into this idea, this blog talk radio thing, this call-in internet radio at the time. And for 10 years, I did nothing with it. Finally, one day, on the encouragement of my brother, he showed me what a podcast was, how behind the times I was. Jumped in, started recording. Didn't have any luck. But on the 50th episode, finally, 50th, almost double what the, any other podcasts are even getting to. And blown away, stayed committed to it. And to watch what's happened this last two years in terms of, I, I'm a Marine combat veteran. You might know that. My son is serving in the Air Force. My mother was a Marine my father was a Marine. And what does that mean? Nothing. You know, I, and I, it's not, you know, we have a, a our legacy of proud service here. It's not like we've got, you know, purple hearts and bronze stars and medals of honor and whatnot. But we did our time. We tried to do what was right, committed to a country that we thought was good, fighting for a system of beliefs. Putting our neck on the line at times for 
what we thought was best for humanity that relied on a certain set of principles, like free speech, for example. And to be home here and, and uh, you know, by default, you know, labeled a, a radical white national. I mean, what other reason would there be for the reason I'm shadow banned? It's the reason I'm no longer on social media. Not the only reason, but they just, they won't allow us to be seen. What kind of America is that? What, what is it about me that, that can't be seen, that can't be heard? What is it that's so toxic that I spew, that they're so afraid of, that they would do this? And then you look at the elections, and, and that, all that's really only scratching the surface. The, the biggest sign of our deprivation to me was the 60 million murdered babies. I don't know why more people, we really need to pray. You want to talk about atonement? That's a doozy. And the eyes of God, the God that I know, I, I don't know how you say, oh, we're not all somehow culpable. And they would just walk away from that unscathed. If you believe in, in God's judgment, then you would have to say that there's a penalty to be born, maybe by generations. That's not enough. You look at what's going on with this transgender stuff. And as much as I'm clearly a, you know, white nationalist, radical, blah, 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 blah. Even the Muslims agree with me, for God's sake. Muslim parents. They say that they're teaching this to, to children, that you can castrate yourself. Just take the, the risks of the surgery. It's cosmetic in nature. No, I need to be who I feel. It's become this very grotesque expression of freedom to suggest that children uh, can castrate and mutilate themselves because that's what they want to do. Uh, I wouldn't label that free or democratic. I label it lunacy. And a lot of people agree with me on that, right? If you, if you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to the podcast. And, you know, people, people have been asking me for a long time, you know, what can we do? And that, um, you know, threw me on a tizzy at times. I asked two years ago, three years ago, what do we need to do? People said, pray and vote, pray and vote. I, it seems to me that the time to pray and vote has kind of passed. And you say, what? I'm not saying we don't pray or vote. I think we continue to do both. But God stirs action in man, people, meaning you. So I wouldn't make the mistake of waiting on God to come in and clean up the election process, for example. I don't see that happening through some sort of parting of the Red Sea type miracle deal. Maybe I'm wrong. It would be miraculous to witness indeed. I think the, the, these, the, the time that we're in right now, much like the times in history, if you read through the Bible, we're talking politically now, not spiritually, but there's a historical account in that Bible, in the Bible. And that history also talks about the kings, right? The period that have been from the judges to the kings. And God didn't want people to have a king, if you know the story. The people, no, we want a king. And I look at what's happening today 
some of the things that is getting elected and approved. Oof. And these are not good kings that people are asking for. But I think that these special times call for a special type of leader. A special type of person that can ignite the right passion. Somebody who can fight but chooses not to. Somebody who, who knows compassion and has the moral courage to do what's right. But most importantly, it has to be somebody who can convince somebody, who convince people with simple truths that people can actually understand. People are being deceived. They're being lied to. Plainly apparent. We, we need to fix the elections. That's kind of the, the main problem. That's the specific, one of the specific problems. But we really need to fix our, our corruption problem. And, you know, the only... And look, you're not going to have a, a, an armed revolution rebellion. You could have armed destruction. It'll get squashed out. If anybody tries it, you think... You look at what happened on January 6th. You think that there's going to be some kind of coordinated effort that's going to have any chance of dealing with American military and law enforcement, you're fooling yourself. It's a joke. And it's a civil war. People say this to me. I say, what are you talking about? Where's the the dividing line? This isn't a north-south issue. You're talking about a civil war that would destroy the country. And I think that's the risk of inaction right now, quite frankly. We need something of a velvet revolution like happened in Czechoslovakia in 1989, when they threw out the communists and, and they and they changed the constitution, and our constitution needs to be changed. There's a couple of key things that need to happen to our constitution. Number one, the income tax needs to be limited. It currently has no limit. And when I say limited, I'm talking about like in the 10% range. Let the federal government figure it out on their own. They're the ones that got us into this mess. There needs to be a cap on the income tax. But most importantly, most importantly, there needs to be accountability for public officials. Accountability laws that you can't just sit there and lie to the public. You need to ask yourself just in the basic level of fairness, how is it that if you lie to the FBI, they can throw you in jail, but the politicians just freely lie to us with complete impunity? It's not right. Now, I'm not saying that every little lie would get somebody thrown in jail. I'm not saying that any little lie would get somebody thrown in jail. But I think on certain matters that affect the broader health, well-being, and possibly life, and I can think of many names interfering with democracy, people that should be on a list that would be charged with violations of public trust, Peter, people like Mark Zuckerberg, um, George Soros, Hillary Clinton, um, Michelle Obama with her involvement with Twitter potentially. All of these should be investigated and looked into in my opinion. But there has to be a level of accountability. That's what needs to happen. I went off on a little bit of tangent there. That's the story of the Christopher Scott Show. Slow and steady basically. Never giving up. Never giving in. Staying at it one day at a time. Uh, and staying true to my word, really. There's a couple of unique things we do. We don't edit. I get back to you. Want to email me? Email me at info at ChristopherScottShow.com. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope to see you there. Make it a great day.